Welcome to Fright Night for real. Ancient Slumber Podcast, show number four. My name is Chris Ward, and as usual, I am conversing with Mr. Myron Schmidt. How you doing, Myron? Good. How are you, Chris? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much. How's the weather over across the pond? It's shite. It's uh, it's very grey, it's very rainy, um, at least the fog's cleared. (laughs) It was looking like a John Carpenter film out there. It was absolutely terrible. But uh, the Skype call seems pretty clear, so we should be okay. That's good. That's good. That's what we want. That's what we want. How are things been going? Um, Not too bad, not too bad. I'm very busy with work and stuff. Um, I've had a complaint. Uh Uh-oh. Which isn't... That's that's not unusual for me. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've had a a podcast-related complaint. Really? Yes. You didn't know about this. I did not. No. What is the the beef with the podcast? (laughs) It's from my missus. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. What is the complaint from your missus? Well, you may notice um, in my excited tones today, I'm talking a little bit like a overexcited local radio DJ. Yes. Yes, because my missus says I sound miserable. <laughs> she, says, she says, you're talking like you talk to me. You're just miserable one note and don't like anything. I went, yeah, that's what you married. Yeah. <laughs> She loves oh, you. She, she loves you. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. She goes, Myron always sounds really positive about things, even when he doesn't like something. I see how sort of Americans do, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's what gets like, them. In, that's what gets them into trouble. We're like Canadians. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I have to arrest you for first degree murder, but I'm very sorry about it. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm gonna try my best to sound really excited and cheerful, and have some tone in my voice, and not just like a <laughs> drone. Like your fan, like the fan on my PC, like a exactly. like a bong album. Exactly. <laughs> that's Just right. Just a for an hour. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's the complaint. I have a complaint. What's that? Not a medical one. Oh uh, well, it's something I wanted to address with you actually. Um, the other day I opened up Letterbox. Oh God, what did I do now? Well, you know, when you open up Letterbox, you get that little bit about uh, what all your friends and contacts have been watching. Yes. Which I quite like because it gives you, a, you know, as, as a writer, it gives you an idea of what your your peers are watching and writing about as well. It's very handy. Absolutely. It is. And I saw your name and I saw a five star review and I look up Argento's Dracula. Yes. Ex- explain yourself. Um, I have since pondered my five-star review, uh, and I have reduced it to three, but I still like Argento's Dracula. Why? I think it's a nice take on the Dracula tale. 
there's vampire who does weird shit. There's beautiful women. It's a little bit gothic. The story's a little off kilter from the original. But overall, the Draculas I've seen, it's one to like. I mean, let's go take a look at that Keanu Reeves, Gary Oldman piece of crap. Oh, my God. It's like Dracula on acid. But compared to some of those, this one is – it's its not a great tale, but it certainly isn't a – it was not a five-star. I got overexcited. <laughs> it's like Dracula on acid. That's the Gary Old one, Oldman yeah. one. Th- yeah. This one so, is. So, so the giant praying mantis, that's not like being on acid. No, it was batshit crazy fun. Why a giant praying mantis? When it's a bat or a wolf, he's normal size. Praying mantis, he's suddenly seven foot tall. <laughs> I know, but it's a great thing, though. How, how can you not love a giant praying mantis in a Dracula movie? <laughs> oh, it's a fucking terrible film. <laughs> Even Dario Argento hates it. <laughs> well... I read a brilliant comment the other day. I can't claim it for myself. I might have been talked without Rhythm Podcast, and... Somebody on there said all the naked Asia Argentos in the world cannot make that a good film. Oh, I disagree. And that other leading actress, oh my goodness. No. Yeah. Do you reckon they'd been shown the whole script? No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, no. I don't think they knew what they were doing. Do you think they, do you think they showed Rutger Hauer a script before he signed on? I hope not. Oh, man. I bought that film just because I'm a completist. It, I... I just found it a fun, reasonably decent, good take on Dracula. Oh, now, yes. my, my initial five-star rating was because I liked it, and I went, wow, this is really good. I put, And I do that sometimes. I'll change my ratings. I'll give something three stars, and then I'll, I'll watch it again, or I'll think about it. I go, what the hell? Why did I give that three stars? It's horrid. Uh, but I did change it to three because when I look at some of the movies I call five stars, Evil Dead, um, Friday the 13th, especially Halloween, The Thing, it doesn't come close. So I had to revise my rating. <laughs> right. I think this officially gives me license now to get away with a lot more because anything you say from now on, I'm just going to throw this one back at you. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but, you know, hey, it's not the worst Dracula I've seen. I, well, it, I it is for me. <laughs> Come on. No, it's fucking awful. It cannot be worse than that Keanu Reeves. It is worse than that. It is. Oh, God, no. No. All right, granted, Keanu Reeves, yeah, he can fuck off. But Gary Oldman's great in that film. No. No, it's just, it's, oh, dear Lord. That one's like a, my half star Dracula. We're going to have to disagree about that one. Yes, 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 we are. (laughs) Oh, dear. Ugh. Oh. oh well, moving on. Move on. <laughs> Move along. Right, yeah, we're going to do a new section now, which was your idea. It was. I, I have them every once in a while. You do. Uh, shame turning off Argento's Dracula wasn't one of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to live that down. You're not. I know. I'm, I'm going to post it everywhere I can. Yes, I know you are. <laughs> I'm going to stick it on billboards around the country. <laughs> yes, you are. Anyway. Right, yeah, so we're going to have a little new section. The original title of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. I, I don't know how you think of it, Holmes. I really don't. We're going to throw forward some films that we've been watching for the past week or so. One being good, one being bad, and one being fucking awful. The fucking That's ugly. Right. 
Fucking <laughs> ugly, even. And it was my idea, so I get to go first. Now, I'm gonna have, I've got more than one film. Oh. But what I've seen in the good column, hmm. movie called Christie, independent slasher type movie, very good. Um, I watched a um, horror made in the Philippines called The Road that I really enjoyed. Another vampire one. I really like The Stranger. I may be alone in this one, but I don't care. I like it. I thought it was smart. Is that the produced by Eli Roth one? Yes. Yes, I have a I have a link to a screener for that, but I haven't watched it. Yes, I, I I'm not holding out any hopes for you. I liked it. <laughs> right. Um, it, it was I thought it was I thought it was well done. Okay. An old movie called Angst that I watched on recommendation from someone that I really enjoyed. It's about that Dutch serial killer that they let out of prison. And he immediately goes and kills a family at a cottage. That rings a bell. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to send you... If you look it up on IMDb, I'm sure you'll recognize it, but it's an mm. older one. Okay. Um, another good one I saw was called Stage Fright, all one word. Some people put Colin Aquarius after it. It's got a killer and a giant owl mask. You can't beat it. Yeah, that's the uh, Michelle Suave one. Yes. 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 Yep, I, Very have, good. I have that on Blu-ray. And then uh, Blood Glacier, another independent film that I really enjoyed. It's. Uh, I have seen that. It's uh, it's got weird big animal, yeah, genetic things in it. I reviewed that for one of my previous incarnations. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Don't remember much about it. I remember the title. It's a bit like the, a low rent version of the thing, isn't it? It's exactly like a low rent version yeah. of the thing. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Shall I do my good, and then we'll move on to the bad? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. I'm looking. I'm only going to go over the last week because my memory is very short. I had to write mine down. <laughs> oh no, don't do that. Right, I'm gonna go for my good here. <laughs> I've watched, well, I call it good. Rob Zombie's Halloween. Ooh, no, there's a lot of things I like about that. Yes, um, I rewatched it because I got it on Blu-ray. Oh, very good. An Australian two-disc edition. Yeah, we had a chat that you guys did not have a UK. Yeah, Blu-ray. there's no UK Blu-ray for that one. There is for Halloween too, not for that one for some reason. So I picked up uh, an Australian Blu-ray off eBay for uh, it was under ten pounds. Ooh. About eight ninety nine, I think it was. So uh, that's what's that? About twelve, thirteen dollars, something like that. Yep. Yep. So yeah, which is very good. It's got the uh, the film. It looks fantastic on Blu-ray. I thought it would look wouldn't look any different to the DVD, but it does. It looks really cleaned up. There's some depth in the picture, and it's got the four hour making of documentary on the second disc. You know, I've got that um, Shop Factory, Screen Factory um, box set, yeah. but I haven't looked at the Rob Zombie ones. I wonder if I've got the um making of documentary on there as well i don't know because it wasn't included on a lot of the box sets i think it was it was like a special edition feature ah gotcha gotcha i do have a region one dvd of it there's a three disc dvd that was released in america which i do have as well because i'm a bit of a fan as you can tell yeah well you 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 know know, (laughs) i've got (laughs) i do the same thing I've got Stephen King movies in both Blu-ray and DVD. I've got James Bond on DVD and now Blu-ray. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm you're not alone in that, trust me. Is Spectre out yet over there, by the way? It came out Friday. Have you seen it? Not yet. I'll be – I don't know if I'm going to go today or this week with my son, but we're going to go some, at some point. Okay. Well, I've seen it, so uh, we'll maybe have a little discussion on the next podcast then. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. Okay. Right, so yeah, so I watch Halloween, which I think is good. It gets better as the more I see it, I think. It's one I always liked, but I never loved, but I'm starting to love it now. You know, the only niggle I had with that 
was the end chase scene was a little bit long. It's almost like that was put in to kind of just extend the movie a little bit. But yeah. it's a small niggle. I mean, it's small. My only real niggle I have with it is I'm not that keen on Malcolm McDowell in it. Really? Yeah, I just... It's one line he drops, and I just... It takes me out of it completely. And it's right near the end when um, Michael Myers is chasing Laurie Strode around. And he picks up and he goes, Michael, Michael, it's me, it's Samuel. You think, oh, fuck off, you tit. <laughs> you hippie nonsense. Oh, it's me, it's Samuel. Oh, please stop it. Piss off. I'll have to rewatch I'd, it again. I'd push his eyes in his head if he did that to me. <laughs> no, anyway, yep, yeah, that was that. Uh, Halloween, uh, what else have I watched? See, the films I've watched this week, it's, this week, it's quite debatable whether they're good or not, but um, I watched The Last Stand, the Arnold Schwarzenegger oh. one. Yeah, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it's not up there with classic Schwarzenegger, but it's enjoyable. Agreed, agreed. It's for what it is, it is what it is. Yeah, what else have we got? Oh, well, I've got a couple I can include in the ugly bit later on. Yeah, that's those are the two I'm going to say that are, are good this week. Ugly. No, 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 bad first. Let's do bad first. Do your bad. Ba- do your bad. Okay, it, there was a movie, it had some brief bits with Danny Trujillo, and it. it was called The Cloth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I started watching that about two years ago. I No, I, I made it through. Now, I'm going to say that I liked the story concept. You say Danny Trejo's in it, is he? I closed my eyes for about ten seconds, and he was gone. He comes in twice. All right. He's got two. If you didn't watch the back half, you didn't catch him. And the only reason why I made it through the movies, I really, really love the story. The problem is the story was so big and so massive, and they were trying to shoot these complex action sequences. It just didn't translate well into a lower-budget movie. It kind of became just, oh, it was just, oh. Shit, I think it, is the word you're looking for. I, I hate to say that, but it... In the end of the day, it wasn't that great of a movie, but I loved, loved, loved the storyline concept. You know, it it's another take on John Carpenter's vampires kind of a concept. Really, really liked it, but they bit off too big of a piece of pie. <laughs> and and that that's my bad, but, it, you know, love the story. That's the only way I made it through the movie, but it just didn't translate that well with a lower budget because you need some – bucks behind it to, to flesh it out and make it a little more you know not go full on michael bay but you know <laughs> bring it bring it up a couple levels michael bay oh dear. it's not even pevensey bay let alone michael bay it, it's it's like uh, like that movie uh was it called um deliver us from evil yeah that, that at the ending sequence just went full on michael bay and i'm like really i think i'm right in saying that the cloth didn't get a release over here I was sent a review disc for it when it was due to come out, and the release got pulled. And as far as I know, it never got picked up. It, so I didn't it, have to review it. I, t- I turned it off after about five minutes. You know, it, it, it again, it's it's a great story. It just it had to be fleshed out more. It had a really good concept, though. I'd love to see somebody take another run at it, but, you know. Someone with more than Danny Trejo's salary as a budget. I hate to say it, but yes. Yeah. Yes. I, th- I think he was doing a favour for somebody. He, he very well could have been. <laughs> That's a bad one then. Any more bad ones? Uh, no, I just decided to go with more good than, than bad, so I just left one bad one in. Okay, I, I've got a bad. 
just trust me, open my letterbox page and you'll see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not opening your letterbox page anymore. Oh, <laughs> ow. <laughs> oh. Uh, I watched one this week. Uh, the lowest rating I've given this week. There may be a bit of a bit of a disagreement here. I don't know. San Andreas. Haven't seen it. No. Uh, well, if I tell you it's a disaster movie starring The Rock, right? And what what you're picturing in your head right now, that's it. <laughs> that's what it is. I don't mind disaster movies. Love oh, the Towering oh. Inferno, like the Poseidon Adventure. Oh no, they, I the, hate disaster movies. Modern but, disaster movies, I hate. But disaster with The Rock. No, no thanks. It's it's just, it, I mean, it is, it's your very typical, you know, he's a, a helicopter rescue pilot, you know, there's a big earthquake, his daughter's trapped, his wife's trapped, he's got to do what he's got to do, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, at the end, there's an American flag waving amongst all the wreckage, right? Yep. And this is no word of a lie. I said to my missus, I've read, I said to the next line is going to be, we need to rebuild. Right, and she went. How do you know? You haven't seen it. I said, Trust me. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a. You see, you get the American flag waving in the breeze. You get the camera panning around to the the family unit all hung together, and the wife says to him, "What do we do now?" And he says, "Now we rebuild." <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, oh, it's the most. I mean, I can understand going to a cinema with a big screen, big surround system. Big special effects, buildings falling over, everything's exciting. Wow, 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 fantastic. Yeah, I get that. If you break it down, it's absolute pointless load of old bollocks. The best thing in it was Alexandra Daddario's chest. Who, no. how, how she managed to keep that inside her top, I'll never know. And she gets helpfully covered in water, which is very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just predictable. Absolutely predictable nonsense. <laughs> That's why I won't watch it. Yeah, uh, honestly, I just, I don't, I would never, I don't know what people get out of that sort of thing. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, it's just me. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sounding miserable. Let's get positive. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll do the local radio DJ thing of going, well, hey, after the thing. There you go. Uh, the ugly for me was mm. um, a documentary. <laughs> yeah, I know where you're going. It's called The Haunted Boy, The Exorcist File, or The Exorcist File, something like that. Okay. It was um, a documentary on the 1949 case in St. Louis. I believe the last recorded, officially sanctioned by the Roman Catholic Church, Exorcism. The movie that the Exorcism book was based on and the movie was based on, yada, yada, yada. Started off all right. And then at the last half of the movie, these guys brought in ghost hunters. And it went from <laughs> someone okay just right down the toilet. I well, mean, not Bill Murray they, and Dan Aykroyd. They, oh, God. It, it would have been better. <laughs> they, had, they had this woman with. A woman? With crystal tipped divining rods talking about energy vortexes and i'm just going i can't believe this and you, you you're not on board with that it's just it was horrible they had it started out reasonable and it just went down the crapper yeah clark shitter's full it was god awful and it was ugly and trust me i watched spirit in the woods that one was ugly but this one was worse <laughs> 
Don't watch Spirit in the Wood. Okay. Found footage. Gone. Horribly, horribly, horribly well, you just said the double F word, so I'm not going to watch it anyway. There you go. <laughs> what was the ugly for Mr. Chris across the pond? I'm going to say ugly for me. I think my definition of ugly may be a little different to yours. I'm going to say Terminator Genesis. Really? Yes. Why? My definition of ugly for this is, uh, I'll, I'll say now, I like Terminator Genesis. I enjoy How it. I'm going to be ugly then. It's. It, I don't mean ugly as in bad or horrible. I just mean it's ugly as in it's a film you shouldn't like, but you do. Oh. Because for all intents and purposes, it is a load of old bollocks. I mean, there's no, there's no need for a Terminator sequel, certainly after the first one, really. But Terminator 2 is a great film, so yeah, we'll let that in. You don't need any more Terminator films than that. And then there was Terminator 3. Which is crap. <laughs> And then there was that really weird one, what, Terminator Salvation? Yeah, I mean, I, that is just absolute bilge, isn't it? it? It's it's almost like a rights-keeping movie, you know? Oh, shit, yeah. we've got to make a movie to keep the rights. Uh, let's fire one out. Well, it, I think it was just trying to compete with the Transformers films, to be honest. Yeah, absolute bot. Terminator Genesis, obviously, it's Arnie coming back as the Terminator, which is good in one way because, you know, how can you ever terminate a film without Arnie? But then there's another thing of they des- you, you can tell they desperately don't want Arnie to be the star of the movie anymore because they're not getting the audience in. Because young people aren't going, oh, look, there's a new Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator film out. <laughs> old gits like us are, because that's what we're going to go and see. But I think Arnie as the Terminator now is it's a blessing and it's a curse, really. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. That said, I like Terminator Genesis. The Blu-ray looks fantastic. It is one of the best-looking Blu-rays I've seen. It sounds fantastic. There's, it's got a 5.1 Dolby Atmos, it's called. Ooh! Which I don't know the the technical term, but it sounded really, really good. Yeah, and I put it on, and it's two hours long, and I enjoyed it, and I liked the action scenes. I quite like Arnie in it. I think he does very well. I don't like Jai Courtney. I don't know why he keeps getting employed. <laughs> Honestly, it... You, you might as well just stick a tree in there. It's, he's that wooden. But I enjoy it. It's an enjoyable action film. Just don't associate, don't associate it with the first two, though, because you'll be disappointed. <laughs> but it, it's the third best Terminator film, I think. Oh, all right. Well, I had planned to pick it up on Blu-ray anyways. I think it comes out next week over here. Yeah. But, yeah, honestly, it, it looks really good. I think it looked better than it did on the cinema screen. You know, when you, you just made me think of another movie that is slated to uh, start production um, a new Underworld movie. No. Yes. And that's what they're trying to do with Kate Beckinsale is try and move her out of the way so they can continue, but... Well, they did that with the third one, didn't they? That's the, is that the one she's she's not in? One of them she's not in? No, she's in all of them. I'm sure there's one of them. They, may, they, no. they put no. her in the background. Well... And they had another lead actress who looks a bit like her. The third one, she's not as prominent as one, two, and four. Yeah. But she's definitely in it. Oh, she's in it. She, yeah, I think she appears in it, but she's not the the lead, if you like. No, not not necessarily. Okay. Not not necessarily, but um, I don't mind the first Underworld film. I can't be doing with the rest of it. I like one, two, and four. The you know one, and then two, and then four. Okay. And then three, I can just leave wherever along the trail. <laughs> but I that concludes our uh, good, bad, and ugly. So what? Yeah. What two films? Who are we going to talk about today? Ooh, oh, that was a that was a bit Frankie Howard, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Now, Ooh. It, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah. 
re- realize we're taking it. We're going to kind of vacillate. We're going to talk about franchise stuff, but we're also going to talk about originals versus remakes because you and I have that discussion many times over. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what's on tap for today, Mr. Chris? Well, our original this week is going to be Fright Night. Ooh. <laughs> versus Fright Night. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a, there's a hint of what's to come. <laughs> yes, 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 it is. Okie dokie. Right, okay. So, yeah, we're going to do Fright Night from 1985 versus Fright Night from 2011. Yes. Oh, bugger. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. This could be the night of your life. Hey, Mom. Hey, just checking in. What's you up to? Uh. Adam Johnson. Adam. You know, Adam's missing, right? Right? Kids aren't coming to school. It happens all the time. I don't know if you're paying attention to roll call, but he's not the only one that's gone. You're nuts. This is my son, Charlie, and his girlfriend. Hi. So Jerry is our new neighbor. Hey. Hey. Now listen to me. We dropped up all the disappearances. That's you right there in the center next to his house. I really hate to be the one to tell you this, but that guy, your neighbor? Jerry. Yeah, he's a vampire. (laughs) That is a terrible vampire name, Jerry. I've been watching you. Your mom, there's a kind of uh, neglect, gives off a scent. And your girl, she's ripe. It's on you to look out for them, because there are a lot of bad people out there, Charlie. What's that? He's gonna end me. That's how it's gonna be. Uh, 
sincere fear. Righty ho, yeah, we're going to break this down into into three rounds, if you like. In the red corner, hailing from 1985, weighing in with some considerable gravitas, is Fright Night, directed by Tom Holland, written by Tom Holland, starring Chris Sarandon, William Ragsdale, Amanda Bierce, Roddy McDowell, Stephen Jeffries, Jonathan Stark, Art Evans, Dorothy Fielding. In the blue corner, Fright Night from 2011, directed by Craig Gillespie. Starring David Tennant, Colin Farrell, Anton Yelchin, Imogen Poots, Tony Collette, and an appearance by Chris Sarandon. Yes. Yes. So, round one. Ding, ding. Round one, we are going to do plot. Yes. And, and story elements. Bit of an odd one, really, because the plot in most of these films, you know, in the remake, is going to be very similar to the original, obviously. Correct. But there are differences. Yes. In this one, there's some pretty big differences there is so the basic plot that covers the two is charlie brewster is a teenager who believes his neighbor jerry dandridge is a vampire and yet nobody believes him so he recruits the help of peter vincent to help destroy the vampire that covers both films yes that covers both films well yes all right i'll I'll give you that thanks very much (laughs) (laughs) so let's get into some details then fright night 1985 Oh dear, I love this film. Do you have a history with this film? Um, no, no, not not particularly. No, okay, I do. What is your history? Bit like Demons, really. Yeah, Fright Night is one of those films that I saw back in about 1986, something like that. It was a regular rental for me. Uh, me and my friend, we used to rent this all the time and just quote lines from it. If you're in the video shop, there's nothing to watch. Oh, let's just get, you know, it was either, should we get Demons again? Should we get Fright Night again? <laughs> you know it's one of those films for me gotcha gotcha uh i owned it on vhs for years probably best part of 20 years i've watched this film gotta be nigh on 50 odd times possibly more i've only watched it on dvd about three times since i bought it really yeah i bought it on dvd when the remake came out because my local supermarket had it for like three pounds on the shelf oh christ you can't go wrong with that so yep yeah, i love that because we haven't got i don't think we've got a blu-ray release over here i don't th- we don't have one here either yeah, you've got the 30th anniversary edition. Do we? Yeah. There's a Region A 30th anniversary edition Blu-ray. It did not pop up on Amazon when I went looking for it. Oh, I've seen it. listed. Really? Okay. All right, I'll have to investigate that. Curiously. UK ratings. Well, age, age ratings. Or... Age ratings, it was 18 in 85. Yes. But in 2011, it was 15. Was it? Yeah, that's what imdb says they may be wrong but no i wouldn't go on imdb's ratings to be honest oh buddy come on help me out how how do i get them then well my dvd's an 18 really yeah i looked up things on there before and 15 and 18 can be a bit contentious on some of these releases uh a lot of the time as well it can be like a special edition might have be an 18 because there's something on the on the bonus disc or something like that right right uh let's have a look right Ah, I know what you've done there. If you've got Fright Night on Amazon, there is a Blu-ray available, and it's got 15 on it, but it's not British. It's European. Oh, okay. It's a Dutch edition, I think. Okay, okay. 
and they have a different rating system. But I mean, yeah, that that would play on a UK player. But yeah, that says fifteen. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. In the UK, it's an eighteen. Okay. All right. Very cool. So yeah, yeah, it's just one of those films that I used to watch it near enough every weekend. It's my favourite vampire film of all time. Really? Yes, I absolutely love this film. And we'll go into the reasons why. But um, it's just one of them films. I absolutely love it. Cool. Cool. So let's get into the plot of this one. Right, Charlie Brewster in this one, played by William Ragsdale. Is he a noted actor in America or anything? Is he in anything else? Um, No, not, no, no, not really. <laughs> I know he's in Fright Night too. Charlie Brewster, William Ragsdale. He's with his girlfriend Amy, played by Amanda Bierce. Yes. From Married with Children, is it? Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're getting it on in his bedroom with the TV playing in the background, playing the uh, TV show Fright Night. Correct. Because you get that lovely jingle, don't you? That's Fright right. Night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Presented by Peter Vincent, played by uh, Roddy McDowell. Do you get? Did you? Do you know the uh, origin of his name, Peter Vincent? No. Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. Well, if I had thought about that for a second, I wouldn't come up with that. Oh, well, I've told you now. That's right. I won't forget it. Two horror legends. So it could have been worse. It could have been like Vincent Lee or something like that. That's right. So there you go. Um, I do think I read somewhere they wanted Peter Cushing to play that role. I'm sure I read that somewhere. That would make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. But Lee McDowell. Anyway, he's hosting the uh, late night horror film. Charlie's not interested. He wants to get it on with Amy. While she's, uh, when she agrees to his request, she goes and sits in the bed. Charlie looks out the window and he discovers he sees two men carrying a coffin into the next hell house. That's right. Which prompts him to get his binoculars out. <laughs> of course. That's what everybody does, right? That's it. So, yeah, he's curious. Amy gets upset. She leaves. Charlie goes outside to see what's going on and he hides in the bush. And we get a fantastic shot. I love this bit. The next door neighbour is eating an apple. <laughs> he takes one bite of it and throws the core over at the bush where Charlie is, and more than half the apple's missing. <laughs> it's a great shot, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. Uh, I There's love a it. lot of great shots in this film. There is. It's those little bits like that. Yeah. Anyway, next night, is it the next night? Yeah, I think it is. Next night, Charlie looks out his window and he sees and a rather attractive young lady in the window of his next-door neighbour's house, and then he sees his next-door neighbour getting it on with her. And he sees him bite her in the neck, right? Yes, Jerry Dandridge. He tips his head back, the teeth come out, and he bites her neck. Yes, yes. And not only that, he clocks Charlie looking at him. That's right. So now there's the plot. The, the game is on. The game is on. He knows about Charlie. He comes around the next night to meet the mo Charlie's mother, who invites him in, which you shouldn't do. That's right. So now he can come into Charlie's house whenever he likes, which he does later on in full vamp-out mode. Yes, yes. Gives Charlie the chance to forget about what he saw. And, of course, being the reluctant hero, Charlie declines. He declines, and then the battle is on. That's right. So, naturally, terrified about what's going to happen to him, he seeks help from his friend Evil Ed, played by Stephen Jeffries, who is one of the best characters in any film ever. <laughs> he is so 80s, though. Oh, I know, but <laughs> didn't you have kids at school like that? Oh, dear Lord, yes. Yeah, I think I was probably one of them, to be honest. <laughs> oh, what a fantastic character. He goes to Evil Ed for help. Evil Ed tells him how to kill a vampire. So Charlie goes home, starts carving stakes and crucifixes and God knows what else. 
Amy and Evil Ed get worried about him, so they go to ask help for... Yeah, Charlie's already been to see Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent didn't want to know, so Amy and Ed try. They pay Peter Vincent to come along and test Jerry Dandridge to see whether he's a vampire. Of course, he passes all the tests because it's not really holy water. He doesn't pass all the tests. Ah, well, the test that he's actually given... Correct. He passes. But as they are leaving his house, Peter Vincent looks in his little pocket mirror... Uh, he'd get the cigarette out and sees no Jerry. Jerry Dandridge casts no reflection. That's right. Peter Vincent runs off scared. Charlie, Amy and Ed decide to walk Amy home. On the way back, Ed gets attacked by Jerry Dandridge, who turns Ed into a vampire by playing on his fears about being bullied. That's right. Which is a great scene. And then uh, Amy and Charlie run to a nightclub for cover. Completely 80s nightclub. Oh, I know. It looks fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah, but you know what? They could have edited out that dance scene. That was just, oh, dear Lord, help me. Oh, we're going to disagree. <laughs> Jerry Dandridge appears in the nightclub. He seduces Amy, takes her away back to his house. He bites her in the neck and leaves her vamping out on the floor. Charlie comes looking with Peter Vincent and the scene is set for a final battle. That's right. Is basically it. There's a few more bits and bobs involved. But yeah, that's basically it for that one. Pretty good story, I think. It is. I I think it's a very, very good story. Um, For me personally, that story kind of is fixed in my head because I've seen it so much. And then when I saw the Colin Farrell remake, Mm -hmm. and they mucked with that story, it was like, oh, really? Really? Because they didn't even keep the basic plot line of the remake. Let's get into the remake then, okay. Yeah, because the difference is, Ed knows he's a vampire, Jerry doesn't, Jerry doesn't believe him for half the movie. Hey, then wrong, finally, way around, wrong way around. Not Jerry. Um, Ed is the vampire, and the other dude, oh, whose name just escaped me. What Charlie. Charlie doesn't believe Ed. Charlie doesn't believe in vampires for half the movie. Well, not quite that one, but you know what I'm saying. It was a big plot niggle for me. Okay, well, let's get into the remake then. In the remake, we're not in um, small-town America anymore. We're in Vegas. Not sure I like that setting as much, to be honest. But anyway, we're in Vegas. Charlie, played by Anton Yelchin. Yep. From uh, Star Trek and other few other things. He's a high school student. He's got his girlfriend, Amy, played by Imogen Poots. Correct. Who looks remarkably like Jude Law in a wig. <laughs> I'm sure she's probably heard that before, but... <laughs> Oh, that's right. And, uh, yeah, next next door to his house, new neighbour, Jerry Dandridge, played by Colin Farrell. Yes. Moves in. He's digging up the garden and blah de blah blah We find out that it's because he's he's got, like, holding cells underneath his house. Yes. Where he keeps victims because Jerry is a vampire. Ooh. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, basically, Charlie's told that Jerry is a vampire by his... Well, he's not a friend, by his ex-friend, Ed. Yes. Who, uh, they're, they're sort of, they knew each other when they were little kids, but Charlie's tried to sort of outgrown him, if you like. Yes. Uh, but Ed tells him that Jerry is a vampire. Um, they go looking round his house one night. No, they don't. They go looking for their, uh, missing friend. Yes. In his house. Jerry attacks Ed, turns him into a vampire. Charlie then goes to local Vegas magician, Peter Vincent, played by, uh, David Tennant. Yes. For help, Peter Vincent gives him the brush off. Uh, so it's up to uh, Charlie to out the vampire. That's right. 
in a sort of similar way to the original, but with a few different twists. Yeah. See, there are things in the second one I don't like as much with regards to the plot. I don't I don't like the Ed character in the second one anyway. Nope, I don't either. How does he know about Jerry Dandridge? He was filming him. Ah, yeah. I already watched this last night. Shows how much I care, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, your rating was a little high, my friend. Well, there is a reason for that. There is a reason for that. David Tennant. Certainly not David Tennant. <laughs> Originally, that role was supposed to go to Russell Brand. Did you know that? You know, when you look at him right away, yeah, I had forgotten who played it. I went, oh, shit, it's Russell Brand. Oh, no, wait a minute. It's not Russell Brand. Thank God. I hate Russell Brand. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm glad it wasn't Russell Brand. Me too. It I haven't got a lot of love for David Tennant, but I'm glad it wasn't Russell Brand. <laughs> that would have been campy as anything, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, it would have been horrible. You know, my big niggle if we hmm. talk about plot and story, is the first one relied on a lot of serious comedy kind of thing. Hmm. And the second one tried to go 100% serious with a little bit of comic relief in the form of David Tennant. Um, I think the first film relies on you more having a bit of a knowledge of Hammer films. I would agree. You know, obviously the Peter Vincent character is that is a play on Peter Cushing and Vincent Price, so you've got that sort of campy um, vampire hunter type thing. Right. And also you've got things like the, the Charlie's always got his TV on and he's always playing an old movie in the background. Correct. So you're seeing all these references to old movies and uh, even though it's set in the 80s, it's very much a modern vampire film. Because that's something... Vampire films in the 80s, up until that point, barely existed. Correct. 70s was kind of the golden age of vampires. Well, I'd say 60s was the golden age, and I think it tailed off in the mid-70s once Hammer folded. Yes, agreed. Agreed. In the early 80s, I think you had The Hunger from 83, with David Bowie in it. That's so artsy-fartsy, isn't it? I mean, that's proper Andy Warhol, New York-type vampire film. Oh, don't get me started on artsy-fartsy. I, I watched a movie... I cannot get two hours of my life back because it's an artsy-fartsy yeah. movie. God help me. But but, but that's... But in terms of my mainstream, that's all there really was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fright... And then, obviously, after Fright Night in 8, you had uh, The Lost Boys and Near Dark. Um, there's an Italian one called Graveyard Shift, which is really, really good. Yeah, but Fright Night sort of tends to get overshadowed by The Lost Boys a bit, I think. I think so, too. Because The Lost Boys was hip, it had the young brat pack at the time in it, it was, yeah. you know, hip for the 80s, which means really we can't call it hip, we can call it mullet-filled. <laughs> yeah, I still love The Lost Boys, but Fright Night... Absolutely, it's, it's, it's a, as far as vampire films goes, it's a decent vampire film. But Fright Night was, was modern, but it still had one foot in the old school. Yes. And I think that's what gives it its, its charm and its character. What do you guys say over there? bang on practical effects they were bang on they were absolutely yeah well we'll get to that yeah the remake was um i don't know it had a weird tone about it it did it it was one of those again i always go back to fright night was the original was that that can't be almost horror or comedy element to it hmm. where they tried to go full-on dead serious in the uh, second one and it just to me it just fell way short yeah, yeah. I mean, there are obvious things you can point to in the first Fright Night, and you say, that's funny, that's yes. comedy, yes. that's a visual gag, that's a reference to something. You can sit there and play that game with it, whereas in the remake, with the exception of the appearance of Chris Sarandon, which we'll get to, there's no real sort of character to it. Nope. 
And it's not, I will give it credit to say, it's not, it doesn't feel like a bog standard modern remake like the Nightmare on Elm Street one or the Friday the 13th one. It hasn't got that Platinum Dooms production feel about it. Correct. Correct. Which is to its credit, because I think there's there's some good shots in here. There's some good camera work and all that sort of stuff. Yes, absolutely. It looks it looks like a really good, a really nice film. But in terms of the plot, bits of it don't connect and it doesn't flow. And it just, it gives a really odd feel to it. It's really, I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I don't know for me if it was because I remember Fright Night so well and a, a little bit nostalgic where anything wasn't going to live up to it. It would be like if somebody tried to remake the thing and they bollocked it up. <laughs> they did, didn't they? Well, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a prequel. So yeah. I, I, all right, so let's, you know, that that's all right. But, you know, I mean, at least with Zombies Halloween, he took such a departure from things he focused on other parts of the story that it turned into a good movie yeah because fright night's quite a tight plot there's not really a lot else you can do with it nope nope you know it's it's the classic boy who cried wolf type story yes exactly so yeah i don't know the original i think just it just flows there's a nice flow to it you straight away within the first two or three minutes you know where you're at there's a setting there's a vibe there's a feel you know and you're straight away you're you know who Charlie is. You know who Jerry Dandridge is. You know who the goodies and the baddies are, so to speak. Right. You know, and it it just feels like a a film you're gonna you're gonna put on. You know, you're gonna have fun with. And I think the remake you put it on, it just doesn't. It gets to a point. It gets to a point. You think, where is this going? Yeah. Oh, they could have ended it here. Oh no, wait a minute. We got to go another forty-five minutes. Yeah. You know. And it, there's details like you know keeping the victims in his house underground for three days. Why? Yeah. Who cares? Who cares about that? That wasn't in the original. I'm not saying it has to be in the original, but it doesn't serve any purpose apart from to give a bit of time from when he kidnaps Amy to when he turns her to a vampire. Right. It's all done in the same night on the first one. Exactly. Hmm. He, he digs up the, the, the gas line, the house explodes. I mean, you know. And again, it's called Fright Night. It's one night. Yes. <laughs> not, you know. Not Fright Week. Not for the, you know, over the course of a month or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right, well... we got to give the plot and story to the original. Yeah, the winner of that round is the original, 985. Exactly. Okay, so that's round number one. Back to your corners. Round number two is... Cast and characters. Cast and characters. Cast and characters. Okay, both films have Charlie Brewster. Yes. William Ragsdale in the original, Anton Yelchin in the remake. Both have Jerry Dandridge, of course Chris Sarandon... And then Colin Farrell. They, they're your two mainly, and Peter Vincent. Yes. Roddy McDowell and David Tennant. I think they're your three main leads, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are we going to go through it character by character, or? Why don't we just focus on the evil Ed, Jerry, and Charlie? How about Peter Vincent, Jerry, and Charlie? Done. We got to do Peter Vincent. <laughs> right. Let's start with Charlie then. Okay. So William Ragsdale playing him. I get the feeling Charlie needs to be slightly nerdy. Slightly uh, unorganized. Yeah. He's this. He's nerdy. I mean, he wears tweed jackets with elbow pads on in the original. Yes. Exactly. Like a geography teacher or something. Right. <laughs> I think the main difference is in the original, we get a sense straight away of who Charlie is and how he thinks. In the remake by Anton Yelchin, and I quite like Anton Yelchin as an actor, I think he's okay, but the character of Charlie isn't as clearly defined. Correct. He's very, he's, you know, in the original he's got his friend, Evil Ed, who is the school sort of weirdo. Nobody else seems to talk to him. Yes. He gets, he gets bullied. In the remake, 
Ed as well, he's a bit of a weirdo, nobody likes him, he's the real nerdy kid no one wants to talk to, but he's not, I wouldn't say threatening or anything like that, he's not, he hasn't got an edge to him, like the original one. Right, right. And in the remake, Charlie isn't really friends with him, he's just someone who used to be friends with him when they were little kids, playing Dungeons and Dragons together. Exactly. Yeah, so... I think the fact that they're not true best friends or anything like that in the remake damages it. Absolutely. I absolutely would agree. There's no sympathy when Ed turns into a vampire. No, I, I really don't care. No. Where in the first movie, you go, oh, man, Ed, you bought the farm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you, you just kind of feel bad for Ed. In the second one, you just can give a crap. Yeah, you don't give a toss about him. But anyway, back to Charlie. Yeah, I'd say he's not clearly defined in the remake. I don't think that's the fault of the actor. No, I thought both actors played the parts they were given very well. Yes, I, I look at it as if both of those people were present in my company, which one of them would I want to fight a vampire with? I've got to admit, it's pretty close. I don't know. I don't know either. I think... I'd probably more likely be friends with the William Ragsdale one. Well, he's a little more geeky like us, so... Yeah, you look around his bedroom in that original film. Yeah. The posters <laughs> and just the clutter everywhere. Yeah, yeah, Horror exactly. film paraphernalia everywhere. It looks like my room. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that incarnation of Charlie's probably a bit... He's a bit more believable. He's a bit more... Um, he's got more of a journey, I think, within the film. Yes, yes. One of the conceits in the original Fright Night, which I love, is the fact that you've got... Jerry Dandridge says you've got to have faith for the crucifix to work. And you can see throughout the film, and it applies to Peter Vincent as well, they have a journey as characters, you know, because at the beginning, their crucifixes don't work on Jerry Dandridge. Right, right. By the end of the film, they do. Right. There's that journey, and I, I like that. You don't tend to get that much depth in the remake. Oh, they put that part in, but it was just... It was forgo- It was forgotten about. It was just, oh, shit, we got to put this in. I don't, th- I, don't, I don't think they actually said it in the remake, did they? Yes, yes, they did. I know, I know he gets the crucifix out, and Jerry Dandridge grabs it, and it just bursts into flames, doesn't it? He does make a remark about faith. Okay, there you go then. But it, it's very flippantly, so I couldn't even remember it. It's an integral part of the second, the first one, and the second. Said at least twice in the first one. So who, I'm, I'm saying the original Charlie. I prefer. I think so too. Right, Jerry Dandridge. Um, so we have Chris Sarandon in the first one, and we have Colin Farrell in the second one. I think Chris Sarandon just just wins it. Chris Sarandon rocks being a vampire. He was a much more believable vampire. In the second one, it's almost like, ooh, what's the biggest name in 2011 that we can get to play a vampire? Let's get someone who's good-looking but mean and moody. Yeah, I mean, that that whole brooding, good-looking vampire thing just, you know. And I don't dislike Colin Farrell. No, I don't either. I think he's fine, but it was played wrong. Yeah. I wrote in my note. I wrote notes on this. You did? Three pages of notes. <laughs> Dear Lord. Okay, now, that's more than I did in three years of school. <laughs> that might have been the problem. Yeah, that says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, isn't it weird? A film that I've watched dozens of times, and when I had to actually watch it with a critical eye, I picked up so much stuff that I thought was great, stuff that I thought, oh, I never noticed that before. Maybe that doesn't work so well. Weird, that, isn't it? Is it is it really is? But I wrote in my notes here, Jerry Dandridge. I put Roger Moore meets Tom Araya. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell did you pull that out? I think he's got a real when he's the human Jerry Dandridge. He's got that Roger Moore suave about him. <laughs> Not in a con- it's slightly comic. Some of his expressions and things. Well, I mean, but that's that was Roger Moore's James Bond. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just got that vibe out. But I put meets Tom Araya because I just think he looks like a young Tom Araya. 
<laughs> with a with a slightly squarer jaw. Okay, I, all right, all right, I got. I, you. Saw, I actually saw Chris Sarandon in something recently. Um, can't remember what, and he had a beard, a, quite a big beard, big grey beard. And I thought, just grow your hair out, man. You could front Slayer. <laughs> Might be more exciting than the current lineup. Well, Tom Araya can't headbang anymore, can he? So. Yeah, no. There you go. S- stick a stunt double in. Um, <laughs> That's right. Again, that might be more exciting than the current lineup. I have written a line here. Now, I'm going to say, get this out here now. The best scene for me that sells Jerry Dandridge is when he goes after Evil Ed in the alleyway. Yes. And he offers him his hand. Yes. And he gives, gives him all that process. And I've written here, and now bear in mind, I'm a red blooded heterosexual male. Yes. <laughs> I've written here, I'd take his hand. <laughs> Appeals to the homoerotic in everyone. Not in a gay, not in a gay way, but <laughs> <laughs> there's something about the way that Sarandon just delivers those lines. There's a sincerity to him. It, yes, it definitely plays on his evil Ed's not wanting to be the butt of everyone's jokes, teased and bullied. Well, it, it's a, it's a seduction, isn't it? It, it is, and it's uh, it's very real for a lot of people who may watch this movie. Yeah. Believe it or not the geeks back in 85 it's very it's very relatable and that's that's what i think fright night the remake is missing is it's not relatable no we have the main character who goes from larping and recording it with his best friend ed to getting all the girls and there's there's no relation there i mean it's it's just it's almost like we got to make this slick we got to make this clean we got to somehow work in that he's a geek but we got to have a good looking guy play charlie whereas i don't think they were concerned about that in the first movie they made it relatable for loads of people the second one is like it's you you just can't relate to the characters i think you've only got to look at william ragsdale to know what sort of character he is exactly i i can see why they got anton yelchin and why they tried to do that you know he's a geek but he's not a geek thing well that was their plot but just doesn't work but yeah back to dandridge yeah he's got to be seductive to both male and female yes which i think chris randon is i would absolutely agree the colin farrell one you know you can see why the ladies would go for him obviously right but there's no um there's no appeal to the male audience with him. No, and I think part of the, in the original, you've obviously got the character of Billy Cole, uh, played by Jonathan Stark, who um, Jerry Dan- he's Jerry Dandridge's living companion in in air quotes that I'm doing yes. there. Yeah, yes. It's never implied that they're gay or anything like that. No. But there are scenes where they're quite sort of touchy feely with each other. So there is an undercurrent of, like you said, homoeroticism. Yeah. Not in a Nightmare on Elm Street two kind of way, but. It, <laughs> But it's there, because I think the character of Jerry Dandridge has to be seductive. Yes, yes. That's part of his appeal. You know, there's he drops lines when he's speaking to Evil Ed when he's human, and he says, you know, oh, Ed, I think we've got some of the same interests in horror movies and the occult and things like that. Right. You know, right. so he's, he's trying to get in with the boys, and then obviously he's trying to get in with Amy, and he kisses her hand and all that sort of stuff, so... Yep, yep. And you're on board with him. Right. You know, you know, he's the evil guy. You know he's the vampire. You've seen him as the vampire. As the audience, we know, and Charlie knows, and we're the only people. Right. But you still, you go along with him. Right. In the remake, it's not there. They put Colin Farrell in for the ladies, and then to keep the guys interested, they had him flipping cars at the end. Yeah. And, you know, it just... The scene in the remake where he comes over to Charlie to borrow some beer and Charlie deliberately doesn't let him over the threshold of the house. What crap was that? 
I mean, I quite like, I see what they were doing there, because obviously he knows that you've got to invite him in for the powers to work. Yes. So, you know, all credit to the writers, they sort of made it a scene where Jandridge is at the door, but Charlie's not going to let him in. But Colin Farrell just, he doesn't sell to me seductive or persuasive or any of that. You know, if he knocked on my door asking for beer, I'd tell him to bugger off. Exactly. Yeah, get your own beer, you know. That's right. But yeah, if Chris Sarandon was at my door asking for beer, I'd take him down to a pub. <laughs> exactly. So, I, I mean, i got to say, Chris Sarandon gets the gets the nod. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Peter Vincent. So I'm putting this out there right now. Yeah. David Tennant, two absolutely hilarious, perfect scenes for me in the remake. Mm-hmm. First one when they're sitting down, David Tennant's drinking like he does to the whole movie, and he starts taking off all of his facial hair and rubbing off his <laughs> tattoos. Absolutely hilarious. And I think it was in the same scene where he says something to the effect of your neighbor, Jerry the Vampire, or something like that, just struck a chord with me. I, I just – I love that whole thing. And – to me, that made Fright Night 2 was David Tennant's little interjection of comedy. I got that little wave of nostalgia. It's like, yeah, the plot's a mess. This is a mess. But, hey, there's that dumbass Peter Vincent idiot dude from Vegas, and it just it struck a chord with me. Right, okay. Uh, yeah, I know that scene where he takes his wig off and his beard and everything. That is quite good. Um, <laughs> that is actually, this will mean nothing to you. There is a comedy over here called um, Only Fools and Horses, which uh, is about a pair of London brothers who sort of wheeler dealer types. You know, They go to a nightclub and they're trying to hire a singer and uh, the guy they get is on stage. He's, got, he's a bit like a Tom Jones type singer. And as he comes off stage, he's talking to them backstage. He takes his wig off. He takes his glasses off. He rubs the fake tan off his face and he pulls a giant salami out of his trousers <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scene in the spinal tap yeah 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 where, that's it. where he's going to the metal detector he's got a zucchini wrapped in foil <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly it you know it's one of them jokes it's been done dozens of times but it's still quite funny exactly <laughs> Yeah, that is a good scene. Okay. Yeah, see, I've got a problem with David Tennant, and it's not anything to do with him personally. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. He just annoys me. And I think it's probably because I cannot stand Doctor Who. Ah, uh, okay. There was a point over here where David Tennant was absolutely bloody everywhere. Ah, uh, okay. I... And it just, if I see him in something now, I just sort of go, oh. Do you remember when, in the 90s, when Tom Hanks was in everything? Yes. It's like that. And you just see his name and something, you think, oh, what now? It's like any time I hear John Hughes, there's a film about, you know, John Hughes film on TV. I'm like, I, I just want to vomit. <laughs> okay. I, I just absolutely, yeah, I, I know exactly, exactly what you're, it's like um, before Tom Cruise went all batshit nuts, I hated the movie Risky Business. Thought it was stupid then. It is stupid now. It's a dumb movie. Don't care what anybody says. Absolutely bollocks movie. And he completely ruined anything Tom Cruise did after that. It's like, oh, Tom Cruise movie. Really? Yeah. Really? Again? You know? Yeah. So. I mean, because, you know, David Tennant's in Doctor Who, which is obviously popular. He's in another drama over here, which I can't remember the name of. He does adverts for, like, Virgin Media over here. Yeah, he's just... One, it's, I, I gotcha. That that makes absolutely perfect sense. He's me. also the dead spit of another TV host over here called Richard Hammond on a show Top Gear, or used to be on Top Gear, and he's even more irritating. It's just because David Tennant looks like him. That annoys me. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
it's 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 my own personal niggle, and it's nothing against David Tennant in this film. I don't think he does actually actually does a bad job, but it's just when you you're over familiar with somebody and you see them yeah. in everything, you just think, oh no, again, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's the Tom what I call the Tom Hanks syndrome. Yeah, 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 I agree. So on that level, I'm my money's on Roddy McDowell for this one because. I just think he's brilliant. I loved the Van Helsing look that he had, but... <laughs> the the, the grey dye in his hair. <laughs> exactly. Everything, you know? It was all... It was it was great. But I... I, I and again, probably because I'm not as familiar with David Tennant as you, um, that I just thought it was just freaking hilarious every time he came on, came on there, you know? I, I loved... I loved some of his shit. It was just... It was good. I, personally, I would have to give the round to the blue corner. Really? You're going for David yes. Tennant over Roddy McDowell? I am, because I okay. thought he was, as a character, hmm. uh, I think David Tennant just added a certain panache to me that, not nothing against Mr. McDowell, but, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't, didn't happen. I can see why they made the change to make him a horror magician, obviously, because, you know, an old TV horror host in that old school hammer mode wouldn't play well today or as well with the young teenage audience. Correct. Correct. So I can absolutely see, you know, in 1985 audiences still knew who Peter Cushing was. They knew who Vincent Price was. They were still with us then. So, and, and to me, it was almost like they were with David Tennant. They were taking the piss at, uh, you know, that idiot, Chris Angel, who was so popular a while back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I just hate, I don't like that guy stupid tv shows <laughs> and it was like oh yeah yeah so it just struck it struck me as ingenious i think peter vincent's more involved in the plot in the original he's in more scenes than he is in the remake he's in much more connected scenes the yes. remake is kind of a hodgepodge of uh we got david Tennant, we got to throw him in he really does a good job we got to kind of force a few scenes so they did yeah that's i think force is the good word by the end i think his he's not the actor but i think the character's appearance feels a bit forced well, it is because of that whole, oh, I took a picture in Jerry Dandridge's room and, and left it with Peter Vincent and then come to find out Peter Vincent got a, his family got attacked by the same vampire. And yeah, blah, see, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that little plot twist. It was forced. Yeah. So again, again, to the character of Peter Vincent, that's why I think he works better in the original. He does work better, but I still just, for whatever reason, just glommed on to David Tennant's performance. Okay. Well, I'll say I'm going with Roddy McDowell on that one. All right to me okay that's that's the three main characters so let's quickly run through evil ed yeah in the original stephen jeffries fantastic perfect portrayal absolutely he's the character you want yeah he's geeky he's nerdy he's got that brilliant laugh you know he's got the best lines in the film and it, it's his it's his man there's a one scene that always makes me chuckle he doesn't do anything particularly funny but it's when amy and ed go and see peter vincent ed says something along the lines of oh she's got the hots for charlie or something like that and she slaps him on the arm and it's the way he clutches his arm and just goes, Amy! Yeah. And it's the expression on his face, like he's really, she's really just wounded him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and let's be honest, in the remake, Evil Ed was not... He's a non-character in the remake. Exactly. And I think, you know, the round's got to go to uh, the original Evil Ed. There's not, I don't know if there's any discussion. Nope, original. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so then we've got Amy, Amanda Bierce in the original, Imogen Poots in the remake. Again, she's more involved in the original, I think. I didn't care that she got bitten in the remake. <laughs> I didn't give a fuck, really. Yeah, you were just waiting for it to happen because it happened in the original and they had to do it. Yeah, 
but in the in the original I believe that her and Charlie are an item and I don't in the remake it's because at the beginning Charlie's checking out his ne- his other neighbor's ass yes and then suddenly he's with Amy and then it's never sort of said that they're boyfriend and girlfriend they just sort of hang out together but occasionally they kiss again it's yes. it's just not clearly defined their relationship and it's so in the end why would I give a toss exactly there's no real sort of threat or reward at the end of it you know you know in the original you kind of care more about them as boyfriend girlfriend mm. and then you've got obviously the seduction scene in the original it's it's the pivotal point of the film it was done a shit ton better than the original even though i hated the dance scene yeah in, in the remake oh shit we got to put that part in okay here we go in the remake he just sort of turns up in the nightclub and whisks her away yes whereas in, you know there's this whole sort of like a mating ritual in the original Yes. It's that seduction again. Yes, you exactly. Know. You've you've got to fall for his seduction as well as Amy. Exactly. And it just didn't make it happen in the remake. That's the main characters, really. Um, Charlie's mum appears in both films. She's in the remake more, uh, played by Tony Collette. Doesn't have a lot to do. No. Uh, wasn't really that bothered. And both actresses did well. Yeah, they did well with what they had, but... Absolutely. The original has the character of Billy Cole, who's not in the remake. Correct. He's Jerry Dandridge's... Uh, well, he's described as a live-in carpenter. Yes. I quite like his character. Oh, Billy Cole? Yeah. yeah. I, li- I like the actor anyway, Jonathan Stark. He was in a few 80s horror films. Well, you know, and you gotta you got to give him credit for having a Renfield character in there. Yeah. That's definitely a nod, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he gets offed by uh, Peter Vincent, who shoots him, but he doesn't die straight away. He doesn't? No, he's some sort of zombie, melty, ghosty type thing. <laughs> Okay, it's never clearly defined what he is, but he's sort of he's obviously human because he walks around in daylight and he has a skeleton, which we see when he dies. But between the skeleton and his outer body, there's just green goo. Exactly. You know, you almost kind of assume, well, maybe he's a werewolf, but you're never quite sure. Yeah. Okay, that's quite fun, I think, in the characters, because you know there's something not right with him anyway all the way through. Right. But the fact that he walks around in daylight, you just go, oh, he's obviously just like a guardian or something like that. Right. And speaking of werewolves... Colin did, or Mr. Farrell, did deliver a very great comedy line in the remake. Ah, yes. It's the uh, something to the effect of silver is for werewolves. And I thought that was kind of funny. The thing with that scene is, and I made a note of this, she shoots him with silver bullets and he says, huh, werewolves. And then she grabs that chalice and throws the holy water in his face and says, no, vampires. Yes, yes. Now, how did she know there was holy water in that chalice? Because it's on a top shelf. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's on a top shelf in a glass cabinet. So why, yes. A, yeah. why would it have holy water in it if it's a display item? And B, how did she know it was there? Well, because they had to move the plot forward. <laughs> I know. You think, no, that's just there for effect. But yeah, I know the bit you mean here. He goes, oh, that's, that's for werewolves. Yeah, it was good. That was good. I think that's about it, really, for the main characters. Obviously, Chris Sarandon appears in the remake. Yes. As the guy in the car. Yes. Did you see his name in the credits? His character's name? You know, I didn't look for it, to be honest. <laughs> his character's name is J.D. J-A-Y-D-E-E. J, okay, hang on. Why would it be J.D.? Well, what's, what's the initials of the character he played in the first one? Jerry Dandridge. Yep. J.D. Yep. Nice, nice little touch. <laughs> Nice pickup. Yeah. He appears in the remake. I'm glad he was in there. He doesn't have a lot to do. He's only in it for about a minute. 
Yep. Gets bit. He gets bit. Brings the car that they need because their other car got wrecked, you know. Yeah. Gotta move the plot forward. Yeah, he's just... But it's nice to have an appearance. Nice. I, yeah. I do quite like it when they put an original cast member in, so... Absolutely. Absolutely agree. So there you go. So overall, I think the winner of that round is going to have to be the original. Yes. We've got more original characters that we liked than the remake. Yes. So yeah, that's two rounds to uh, the original. It is. Well, I, th- I think we've got a winner already. <laughs> but let's yeah. do round three anyway. Let's do round three. Round three is the blood, the gore, the effects, the horror, and everything else. Practical effects in the original. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Transformations are great. I made a little note. I loved the pencil bit in the hand in the first one. Yes, I mean, you thought he'd staked him in the heart with the, the, the pain he was going through from a pencil in the hand. Yeah, because he, he's got Charlie around the throat. Yes. Leaning out of a window. Yes. And you see Charlie pick up a pencil. He stabs it in Jerry's hand. And the way that Chris Sarandon plays that, he sort of backs off and starts spinning around like the Roadrunner or something, doesn't he? That's right. It's like it, it reminded me of the scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Buffy the Vampire Killer, whatever it was named, where Pee Wee Herman dies. I haven't seen it. I don't know. <laughs> You haven't seen the original movie? Oh, I might. Oh, is that the one with Luke Perry? Yes. I think I did at the time, but I don't remember it. Oh, yeah. Rewatch it. I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. It's it's a good movie. It, you know, it's it's got Donald Sutherland. It's got Luke Perry. It's got Rutger Hauer, Pee Wee Herman. And the Pee Wee Herman death scene is just absolutely hysterical. And when I was watching this pencil scene, I was like, yes, that <laughs> that is awesome. Because, you know, you thought Chris Serena got staked in the heart from a pencil in the hand to a vampire. And then he, he, then he gives out that big sort of scream. And the, yeah. wi- the wind starts blowing the everything. And then his mum just knocks on the door and it stops there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, a really good played scene. Love that. Yeah. The other major bits that I noticed, and I ha- I'd never noticed this before, at the end, when or near the end, when um, Peter Vincent goes after Evil Ed in the house. Yes. When Ed, Ed is the werewolf. And he stabs Ed with a banister and Ed falls to the floor. There's a real Hellraiser bit of um, transformation. Yes, there is. Done in the same style as when Frank came back under the floorboards. That sort of melting wax, but in reverse. Exactly. And I thought that was fantastic. I'd never seen that before on the VHS. It was never clear. Uh, Watching it on the DVD, you can see it. And I thought that was really, really well done. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of uh, America Werewolf in London. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the looks of the vampires themselves. I've got to say, the original. Me too. Me too. I love they got that wide mouth vampire thing that we saw later on in From Dust Till Dawn. And it, it's got that bat like appearance, you know, with the big ears and That's it. The the remake it's just like um CGI. A big mouth. Yeah. It's <laughs> just a bit it's just yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I still think when Jerry Dand when Chris Sarandon's Jerry Dandridge turns into the vampire, you can still see that it's Chris Sarandon with makeup on. Yes. Yes, absolutely. In the re- with Colin Farrell, yeah, it's CGI. It doesn't look like Colin Farrell. No, it's just it's just a face. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Although, and there's the bit in there when Amy is on top of Charlie in the remake at the end, and she looks up, and you see the camera above her, and you you see the teeth come out. Yes. And I just thought that looks like the cover of Creepshow Three. Huh? Have you not seen that? I'm trying to remember, I just saw the cover of Creepshow Three, and over here it's a comic. Yeah, but there's like a wide mouth vampire shot on there. I got. It. I'll have to take a look. I'm sure it's that one. It probably is. But uh, yeah, I like the look of the vampires in the original. I like the fact that they weren't sexy when they were vampires. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, Amy was, but when uh, Jerry Dandridge turns into a vampire, he's obviously old. He's got scarred, bumpy skin. He looks yep. disca- he looks horrible. He looks disgusting. Yep. Yeah, like that. I like the bat effect at the end when he goes after Peter Vincent on the stairs. <laughs> and he just puts up that bit of wood into his mouth and all that. Yep. You know, yep. it's, it's practical effects. It may look a little dated, but you know that Roddy McDowell really is battling against a puppet. <laughs> There's something there for him to put the stake against. That's right. It, you know, and they make that whole big deal of the remake about you got to hit the heart. Nobody's ever I mean, good Lord. that That's just stupid. Well, yeah, they do. They because he makes note. He says, "I've been staked before, but they miss the heart." Yeah, and it hurts. And he says, "And it hurts." Yeah, again, it doesn't really play into that much. Well, except for where they're in the desert and they stake him, and he runs around like a CGI crazy man. Actually, yeah, that's I've got to say the bit where they do stake him, and he he does a similar thing to what Chris Sarandon did with the pencil. He suddenly starts going mental. Yeah, he does. But Chris Sarandon was much better. Yeah, it was done for comedy effect. Yes, and it's a pencil. How stupid! Through, through this super being's hand, you know, and he overblows the reaction. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I also like Eva Led as the vampire when he attacks Peter Vincent in his house in the original. His personality hasn't changed one bit. His personality, he's still wild. He's still got that laugh and he's still sort of being sarcastic and everything. As he's talking to Peter Vincent, you can see every shot, there's more teeth in his mouth. Yes, exactly. And his eyes change colour. <laughs> and he's got that burnt crucifix on his forehead. Right. Right. Although that did lead me to think of one thing, is Peter Vincent puts the crucifix on his head and he burns him. Yes. Later on, Peter Vincent puts the cross up to Jerry Dandridge and it doesn't work. And he says, you've got to have faith for that to work on me. Now, does that mean you have to have faith in the crucifix for it to work just on Jerry Dandridge? That's, you know what, it's funny that you say that because that's the exact impression I got is he's the master vampire, so it takes a little more oomph to deal with him than his lower uh, underlings. Because it worked well on Eva Led, so why doesn't it work on him? Yeah. Exactly. But I do love that when he just holds up the crucifix, he says, you've got to have faith for it to work on me, and you, and you can see him struggling with his, trying to get it to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on, God, come on, come on. <laughs> and I love that. And then Charlie steps forward with his crucifix, and he goes, well, try this. And straight away, he backs off. Yep, yep. Yeah, I love it. I love those reactions. It's great. Real great acting. So, I mean, those are the main set pieces, really. Obviously, Eva Led turning into the werewolf is a big set piece. I did notice that when Peter Vincent is fighting Ed, Ed turns into the wolf. Peter Vincent runs out the room and he immediately gets on the floor next to the banisters. When he looks back, he sees the wolf running at him down a rather long corridor. Um, where did that corridor appear from? Well, because Peter Vincent stepped out, <laughs> stepped out of the room and he was at the top of the stairs. He turns round and Ed's got about a 20 metre long corridor to run down. <laughs> well, he's got to have time to get the banister ready. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> But, you know, it's funny. In the original, you don't care. No. I picked up a few things in the original like that, like the size of Jerry Dandridge's house on the inside. It's like a TARDIS. <laughs> it is. That, that could be a David Tennant reference, couldn't it? It could be. <laughs> yeah, from the outside. I mean, it's quite a big house anyway. But then you look inside and it's like a mansion. This is, this is only a suburban street. Yeah, yeah. Charlie's house seems... To, I don't know whether it was me, whether I missed something. It seems to move. At one point, most of the film, it's to the right of Jerry Dandridge's house. I'm sure in another shot, they walk out of it and they're across the road. I didn't notice that either. Also, what else did I make note of here? How many changes of clothes does Jerry Dandridge have? Any? How many? I don't think any. No, it's in every, oh, in every scene, he's wearing something different. Oh, Jesus. 
but you know what? That goes to the testament of the original. Is that that, that is the original? <laughs> I mean, it does. But you're caught up in the plot. You don't notice those. That's like I say. When you look at it through a critical eye, you start picking these things up. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, you, you did. I mean, I've just written down here great practical effects. On the original. Absolutely, it just it works. It's very. I think they still stand up, even though they're thirty years old. And yeah, you can spot where it's a puppet or something like that. But who cares? It works. Exactly. It, does, it doesn't look bad. You know, it, no. The bits where it does look cheesy, it's supposed to look cheesy. Yes, by design. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You hit it dead on, and they just the new ones don't compete. The new one. I mean, I know we're probably going to say this a lot throughout these sort of remake original shows, but if you CGI on its own just doesn't look good as an enhancement to a practical effect fine right but on its own it just looks bad yes yes exactly i mean you may as well be watching a cartoon yes yes exactly i thought we were in the second one (laughs) i did like in the second i did like the fact that when the vampires hit sunlight they just turn into ash straight away cool effect but it's kind of nice to see them burn like in oh yeah yeah but I'm saying, yeah. just that first one when Charlie rescues that girl and they both run outside and straight away she just goes whoop. There's no no warning or anything like that. Nope. It just happens and I thought that was quite good. Yep. And I think a lot of that was done because I think it was a 3D film, wasn't it? Originally on the cinema, I'm sure it was 3D. Probably was. Yeah. I think there's, cause there's some obvious shots of crucifixes being held up to the screen and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, 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 no. Friday the 13th, part three, the first 3D, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. and I saw it in 3D, so I remember all the shots from when I saw it, so. Like the yo-yo dangling over the camera for far too long. Yeah, 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 and the spear gun one, and yeah, the whole nine yards. <laughs> but overall, we got to give the nod to the original. It's got to be original. It, it holds, in 20 years' time, I think it will still hold up. Yep. If you look at the remake in 20 years' time, people will just go, what computers were they using? <laughs> More like, who had this bright idea? Yeah. You know what? And let's be honest. every Not every time, but they tried to give an artsy-fartsy director yeah. the, the Hulk character. He bollocksed it up ten ways till Sunday. They <laughs> gave this artsy-fartsy director who did Lars and the Real Girl, which a lot of people love. I can't stand that movie. I haven't seen and, it. Uh, well, don't. Okay. Just don't. <laughs> just just don't. I, I That's two hours of my life. I can't get back. Um <laughs> You know, and they give they give him Fright Night, and you know it's just a mess. I think I think there's there's I say there's some nice camera work in it. Yeah, you know, you know the aerial shots of Vegas and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're uh, all right. I think I think there is like I say there's enough there that it doesn't look like your run of the mill remake that we've had over the past few years. There's at least a little bit of oh, I don't want to say style or flair because I don't think it's that impressive, but an attempt to make it look like a, a film. The only reason I gave it one and a half stars is because of David Tennant's panache. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it three stars because... I know you did. <laughs> yeah. I like the look of it, you know, and I had fun while I was watching, I suppose. There were bits and bobs where, oh, yeah, that's quite good, you know. And I would say to maybe a younger audience, I could totally see why a younger audience would like that over the original. Oh, yeah, it's sleek, it's modern, it's... uh... And I think on that basis, it's got some merit. And like I say, I like the fact that it doesn't look like a Platinum Dunes remake, you know. there's, There's an attempt to make it 
since because let's be honest, Fright Night when they announced the Fright Night remake, most people just went, "What's Fright Night?" You know, it's it's not a, a huge horror title, is it? You know, it's not Nightmare on no. Elm Street, it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's not one that everybody knows. Nope, nope. You know, on that level, I think you know it's a modern vampire film. It's fine if they hadn't called it Fright Night, if they'd called it to something else and not associated it with the original, I think it would be better. It might be, yep, and and. Except for people like us who would have went, oh, they just stole that. and <laughs> They know. just ripped off Fright Night. Yeah, exactly. Why don't they, why don't they just call it Fright Night? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, they can't win. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I think round three we're going to have to give to the original as well. And the overall match would have to go to the original. The winner is Fright Night, 1985. That's right. As if that was unexpected. <laughs> But I'm going to say, all right, the winner may be Fright Night 1985, but I'm going to say Fright Night 2011 put up a little bit of a fight. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I didn't hate it. Yeah, I kind of did. I probably won't watch it again. No. <laughs> no, I won't. Ironically, you know I said I bought Fright the original for £3 from a supermarket? Yeah. I bought the remake about a year later for the same price from the same supermarket. <laughs> My son was going to a funny story. My son was going to a, a used movie store. Hmm. I gave him, you know, five bucks, and I said, "If you see Fright on a Blu-ray and it's under five dollars, buy it." He, he comes back and said it was eight, and I said, "Oh, thank God you buy it. It's not worth eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I still remember I paid ten dollars for a used copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The next generation, and I cannot <laughs> give myself for ever doing that. That's twice the budget of the film for a used copy, a used copy, used of the copy. DVD. S- someone else didn't want it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so now I'm a little more particular. So he, when he came back and said, "No, it was eight dollars." Dan, I'm like, "Thank God you didn't buy it. It's not worth eight bucks." <laughs> so I paid two ninety nine to rent it to watch it. Oh. Well. So I I have it on DVD. It cost me three quid, and the completest in me wants it to go with the other one. But okay, so yeah, original Fright Night was the winner there. Well, should we do a little bit of a sequel talk? Did you get to see the sequels? I did not. Okay, well there is um, Fright Night Two from 1988. Okay. William Ragsdale and Brody McDowell return. There's no Stephen Jeffries. There's no uh, Chris Sarandon. No Amanda Bierce. Yeah, it's basically. Jerry Dandridge's sister comes to town, and so ah. off they go again. It's all right. It's really, uh, it's quite expensive to buy. I don't know why. It's quite a lot to buy. I think it must be because it's out of print. It's okay. It doesn't have the, it's not directed by Tom Holland. It doesn't quite have the, the touches that the original has. But it's okay. It's fun. It's fun. It's a fun sequel. It's what you would expect from a sequel to an 80s film. Okay. Okay. It's, it's worth a watch. It's on YouTube. Look it up. Look it up. It's on there. The person playing Jerry Dandridge's sister, I can't remember her name. It's Carmen somebody. She's very good. She actually looks a bit like Chris Sarandon, which helps. Okay. All right. And Brian Thompson's in it as well. And I love Brian Thompson. He's great in anything. Okay. He's the villain from uh, Cobra, amongst other things. Um, yep, yeah, he's one of the uh, the assistants. Um, they do go a little... The comedy's a little broader. There's a werewolf character in it who's... Brian Thompson does play a really good bad guy. He does. He looks the part, doesn't he? I, he really does. He just looks like a serial killer. Yeah, he, in this one, in Friday Night 2, he eats insects. He's got a thing about insects. <laughs> he catches, like, flies, and he says their Latin name, and then he eats them. <laughs> I've watched it for a long time, but that sticks with me. Um, but there's a werewolf character in it who I think played a werewolf in Monster Squad. 
okay. I'm right in saying. I can't remember exactly. It's played for broad comedy, like they go bowling and the werewolf starts prattling around a bit sort of teen wolfish and all that sort gotcha. of stuff. It goes a bit broad, but it's okay. Okay. There is also a Fright Night 2 for the remake. It's not a remake of the original Fright Night 2. It's not even a sequel to the remake. It's absolute shite. Okay. It's one of these filmed in Romania... Oh, God. Sequels. Uh, yeah. The, the Jerry Dandridge in it is female. She's called Jerry Dandridge, but Jerry is in G-E-R-I. Of course. Of course. Um, there's lots of gratuitous sex and nudity, which they had to put in because there's bugger all else. <laughs> I've attempted to watch it twice. I've fallen asleep both times. And I've, I've seen about the first... <laughs> half an hour and I've seen the last five minutes <laughs> and I don't think I missed anything oh you know what's so funny is I, I posted a now watching movie called Gin oh uh, the Toby Hooper one uh, no 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 this is a newer one right and um, somebody asked me the next day how was it I said I fell asleep and their response was I think that's what most other people did too <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's <laughs> You know, you know it's bad when you're falling asleep. You just give it up. Don't even go back and watch it. Just give it up. It's a bad thing. You know when... Did you ever see Hostel 3? Yes. It's a bit like that. Oh. None of the original cast or crew are involved. You know, it's a story about young kids going abroad and studying in Europe, which is obviously not... It's obviously Romania or somewhere like that. It's It was just bad. But at least Hostel 3 had that one scene, right? At the, at the end, right, where she cuts off his uh, junk and feeds it to the German Shepherd? That's the second one, isn't it? Was it the second yeah, one? Yeah, that's the second I don't one. No, I'm not a big Hostel fan. <laughs> I like one and two. Can't be doing with three. That's okay. You like Human Centipede, so we're, you know, I expect it. <laughs> it's better than Argento's Dracula. <laughs> no. No, it's not. not yes, yes, it is. Oh, God, no. Oh. And I had the foresight not to give Human Centipede five stars. Because <laughs> I know it's I, not a five star film. Hey, look, Dieter is awesome in the first one. Yeah, he, he is. He, he, absolutely, for sure, he is crazy ass batshit in that one. But yeah, the whole movie just uh, forget it. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I love the first Human Centipede. Oh god, I've seen it once. I never want to see it again. I've seen. Two once, never want to see it again. And I did watch number three. <laughs> and I'm going to confess, after the first 30 minutes, I fast-forwarded to the last 10 minutes because I could no longer take that warden <laughs> going on and on like Marlon Brando in the apocalypse now. It's, like, it's, it's the same actor. Uh, you, loved, you loved him in the first one. Uh, I know, but... I've got, I've got to say, Human Centipede 3 is an endurance test. Oh, and I failed it. And not for the gruesomeness of it. It is just, it's a very difficult film to watch. I, w I would never ever say to anyone that they are great films, but I am so glad they exist. I'm glad that they're there and they piss people off just by existing. <laughs> we need more of that. We need some filmmakers who just don't give a shit and just put this stuff out. <laughs> I would rather that than the safe, slick, made-for-teenager studio productions that we seem to be getting every week. I will say this. Human Centipede 3 is far better than any of the Twilight movies. Yep, yep, I'll go with that. Absolutely. It's also made all the better by the fact that Eric Roberts clearly doesn't know what film he signed on to do. No, and apparently... <laughs> 
they had no money for the Human Centipede 3 because they bought him the worst-looking suit ever. <laughs> the I mean, they look worse than my suits do. No, dear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I own all three Human Centipedes on Blu-ray. <sighs> I'm glad they. I'm just so glad they're there. I, I'll, I'll, I will watch the first one because I do like. I think that's a great horror film because it's all suggestive. The second and third one, you know, I've watched. I've watched the second one three times. Oh God, how could I? Uh... I've watched it once. Well, I've watched it once on Blu-ray. The Blu-ray over here is cut, and I've watched uncut on DVD a couple of times. Um, I probably won't again, to be honest, unless it's for research or something. But. <laughs> And the third one, again, I've got it on blue because I'm a completist. I gotcha. Um, I've watched it once again. Unless I have to for something, I probably won't watch it again. But I'm just so glad they're there. You know, you know, if someone comes around the house and I want them to go and I don't like them, I'll stick those films on. That's what they're for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have their uses. But I would say the first one, I, I think it's a great horror film. It's what, it does what a horror film should do. Yeah, in a lot of ways it does. You know, whether you you like that particular subject matter or not is a personal thing, but it does what it sets out to do. It does. Make people uncomfortable, piss people off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fright Night, done and dusted. That was our first original versus remake. That's right. We'll do some more, I expect. I think that was more, that was a test run, really. But uh... Yeah, I think it went well. Yeah, I think it went well. And eventually we're going to probably come to a remake that's... Uh, Better than the original. Yeah, I think we will. I can think of one, and I know you're thinking of the same one. I don't know, are we? Yeah. Which one are you thinking of? I was thinking of a different one. You're thinking of probably The Thing? No. No? Oh. I know you're not thinking of the one I am. Which one are you thinking of? Oh, I shouldn't say, because we might get to cover it shit soon. Nah, go ahead and say. Heels have eyes. Ah, yes. I don't know why I went immediately to Toolbox Murders. But, yeah. <laughs> There's a conversation you don't have very often. Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking of Heels have eyes. You went Toolbox Murders. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Because the Tilba Hooper remake was awesome. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, okay. Oh, I would. I have them both. I can, I can see them both on my shelf right from where I am now. Well, I can see the original. I don't have the... I, I got the remake and not the original. Ah, I've got the original. I gotta fix that. Uh, it was cheap over here. It was less than three pounds, I think. I think I can get it on a uh, double Blu-ray pack with the Prowler. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I've got it on a DVD. It's just a standard... V- I think it's just a VHS transfer. It's nothing special, but I have it. I'm sure we'll get to them at some point. Um, right, I suppose we better wrap this thing up. Do we know what we're doing next time? I don't know, do we? We were going to go for some anthology talk next time. We were. That may change. Yeah, I'm not sure which we're going to do. Well, we'll discuss that off air. Yeah. Okay, so until we decide what we're doing, I will say go over to ancientslumber.wordpress.com and check out the reviews and links to other work and everything over there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ancient underscore slumber. Any feedback, comments, abuse, sexy photos, anything like that, you can send to our email address, which is ancientslumberpodcast at gmail.com. And I think that about wraps everything up for this one. I think it about wraps it up. I think that about wraps it up. So I think we'll say goodbye then. I think we'll say goodbye. Bye. Cheers. Back, spawn of Satan. <laughs> Oh, really?
have to have faith for this to work on me, Mr. Vincent. Stir <laughs> 